So it's uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, reading through chapter 5, verses 1 to 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his, to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. 
Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, Bill. Let's pray. Our gracious Father and God, as we turn to your word, we ask, Lord, you would help us this day. Uh, help us to understand, help us to apply some of the things here. Seems strange, perhaps. So we ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand, help us to be encouraged, to learn, and to be strengthened for Christ's sake, and to keep me from error, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is it, the last bit of 1 Peter. Remember, uh, chapter 2 is uh, verse 11 to 12 are the things we've said as captures the summary of the message. I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among those around you that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify our God on the day he visits us. I don't know if you noticed right at the end there, the bit that uh, really wasn't going to speak on much, but I noticed it, so I thought I'd now change and point it out. Verse 13, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings and so does my son, Mark. No one has a clue who she is, nor do they really know where, she, where Babylon is. So you could have a stab if you like in the dark, but in the dark we remain. What it says to you is that Peter knows these people very well. So well he doesn't need to explain himself. He just says she. We assume actually it's Peter's wife much to the chagrin of some other parts of the church. But he knows them. He knows them very well. And so as an elder, he has been caring for them in the writing of this letter. He commands them, firstly, as their commitment to what's going on, our alien commitment to rejoice, a commitment to rejoice, verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. I get the first bit, don't you? Rejoice. Rejoice. There's so much to rejoice in knowing Christ. He's loved you with an everlasting love. He reached out to you. He grabbed you. He revealed himself to you, the God of all God who made you and put you together wove you together in your mother's womb, loves you, sought you out, died for you, died and rose again that you might live. Rejoice. It's the second part of that that's a little bit strange, isn't it? After you have suffered a little while, you may. It's a big suffering. Verse 12, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Do not be surprised as though something strange is happening to you. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. 
from Mark 8, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Paul, Acts 14, verse 22, Antioch said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So Peter encourages them. In verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The truth is the fiery ordeal is evidence that they are gods. And they are said to, Peter says to them, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the grace and mercy of Jesus. Rejoice that you are his. Rejoice for God has chosen you. It's not that easy to read, but it's still the truth. Rejoice. In all situations, we're called to rejoice, whether it is wonderful and great and uplifting, whether it is horrible, awful, even life-threatening. Wisdom calls, we said from Proverbs chapter 4, what are you going to do? As uh, chapter 4 says, get wisdom, get it, do everything you can. I suppose as a hospital chaplain I did see people who when the day of trial came, and that's probably very different to what this is happening here, but when the day of trial came, they didn't certainly didn't rejoice, nor did they seem to turn to the God who they'd known. Instead, they were angry. They asked. Now, I get that these things may come, but sometimes as I sat with them, it became obvious that what they had not done is that they had not done what Proverbs 4 said, gathered in wisdom, drunk in the truth of Christ's righteousness and love for them, so that when the day of trial came, let alone tribulation, when the day of trial came, the resources they had were, what's going on? Why me? What's this happening? It was sad. I get it for a little while, but after a while I realised some people really wouldn't come around to this. I don't think they were going to come out of it. They weren't going to turn around. Very different to this. Here is a much serious, much more serious situation. Peter says rejoice. Rejoice because they are suffering trials and the judgement has come on them. He says, there's no doubt as the early church faced persecution, it seemed that Christ would be coming soon as they were judged. In that time, they trusted in Christ. For Christ suffered a shameful death, but he considered it nothing that he would not take. It was a painful death, degrading death. It was the death for slaves and rascals, and yet he suffered it for us. And because of that, he bore our sin on the cross 
and we bear his name. So Peter is saying, if you suffer, consider it a great joy. Rejoice, for you bear his name. Rejoice in all situations, a wisdom that needs to be gathered before the time of trial or tribulation would come. Uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, in Australia, there's a Crimes Act, 1900, Section 56, that if someone was to walk in right now and try to stop this service, did you realise that's a criminal offence? That's the reality of our society. Two years jail to stopping a minister of the uh, a clergyman or someone doing those roles from doing their role in a service, two years could be served. We might not face these fiery trials in our society, but it's still about wisdom to rejoice in Christ. It's still about wisdom to gather those things before they come. We bear his name. We need a willingness to suffer and to rejoice in that. Secondly, a willingness and a commitment to serve. The elders here I talk to, and they're encouraged to serve, not for personal gain, not to lord over people, but based on Jesus' service of Mark 10, 35. Anyone know Mark 10, 35? Anyone? For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I know that one because that's really important for ministers, that one. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' life of suffering and glory is used again here as that example. If he would suffer, you might suffer. If he served, Make sure you serve. I had a situation where uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 was used. I know that's a verse you love, 1 Peter 5, 7. Uh, someone want to read 1 Peter 5, 7 for me while I think about it? You know that, don't you, Rhonda? Yes. <laughs> Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your requests of God, that sort of verse. I knew an elder who once when he noticed, uh, he wasn't a Presbyterian, so I can always feel smug and righteous about saying this. He noticed that lady who came out into the foyer and she had a very troubled look on her face. He went up to her and he said, change the name, Betty, Betty, what's happening for you? What's going on? Uh, Betty had a, a, a husband who just had a heart attack and so he was having a quadruple bypass or something like that. His daughter was going through a marriage breakup and uh, the kids were going off the rails at the same time. There was trouble and strife with the with the hus former husband of her daughter. Her son was an uh, adopted boy, uh, Indigenous background, 
but uh, he'd uh, suffered uh, an acquired brain injury and he'd been all over the place, found it hard to be anywhere, do anything very well, been in trouble with the police, lots of things, and these things were happening. And so he said to her, Betty, what's going on? She poured out her heart. It was really heavy that day in the foyer. She poured out her heart and she shared with him as he asked. When she came to the end, he opened up his Bible to 1 Peter 5, 7, and he said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I never read 1 Peter 5, 7 as a rebuke or a commandment, actually. Rather, I think in this situation, Peter, who knows them so well, is doing what he says an elder should do. He is caring, watching over them as he as he watches over them, he gently instructs them, encourages them, and help tries to help them in this terrible, fiery ordeal that they face. It's quite serious how you serve. Christ served. Christ did all those things, and he was willing to serve us even to death on the cross. Where to serve, it says in verse 4, those who are elders and really anyone in leadership, we will receive the crown of glory when the chief shepherd appears. And I take the reverse to be true, that God knows all about me. And if I don't lead in the right way, if I don't serve, then Christ will judge me, which is why I need the third point. Alien humility in verses 5 to 7, and we must have a commitment to humility. There's an old saying, it's hard to be humble. You know, you're going to pretend you don't know the saying. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. There, Wayne, Wayne would give him in. Wayne was the only one who admitted he might know the saying. No, you don't know the saying? Yeah, hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Sad, but sad, I think it is, but it's a joke. It's a joke, of course. But uh, sadly, it's quite true uh, of all of us, but certainly of myself. Uh, as you may remember, uh, as you may know, or maybe you don't know, uh, I had to leave a church not too far away from here because of a situation that arose. As someone once said to me, you were between a rock and a hard place. And so a commission came in from the church and they saw what was going on and they did this and talked to them and talked to us and talked to me. And uh, eventually they said, well, we think it might be best if uh, uh, you leave. And uh, I don't know if you know what happens in commissions, but uh, the proceedings are not public. The findings are not public. Uh, you know, I know, because I'm in it, or it's about me or about our situation, but no one else knows. 
It was uh, quite devastating. It was quite humiliating. I was personally quite damaged by it. It took some time to recover from it. But I was, uh, most of all, I was actually quite shocked at me. Because uh, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. It turned out to be something true of me. Here's a great verse. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, verse 6 of chapter 5, that he may lift you up in due time. Humility is vital. But what I discovered was I actually really cared. I really cared that I was no longer that guy up the front. I really cared that someone else didn't know I was that guy up the front. It really mattered to me that no one knew what happened. It mattered to me that I could be looked at and probably was as part of the problem, as the problem. I was shocked that at the core of who I was, who I thought was fairly humble, (laughs) I thought I was, that it really did matter. Most weeks I'd get up and say, where do you find your identity? You find it in Christ. Where did I find my identity in? Uh, Truth was I found it in being me, being up the front, having a role, having a status, something I turned out that I cared more than I knew. Suddenly God had humbled me and had given me the chance to discover my own proud heart. God uh, says, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. These guys are at breaking point, and when you are at breaking point, there is nowhere else to go but humbly to our God. You go there and you look to Christ and you look for him to restore you, which is our fourth point. Alien restoration, Christ's commitment to restoration. Verse 10, chapter 5 is key here. And the God of grace who called you to this eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you make you strong, firm, and steadfast. As I said, uh, I uh, myself found that uh, my heart was a little bit not as humble as I thought it was, that my status was very important to me, much more important than I knew. And that led me to think all sorts of things. Your attitudes can become wrong. You lose your service. You lose your ability to want the best for others. Instead, you can become cranky, bitter, angry. Which is why uh, in those situations, Peter says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around 
like a lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. When bad times come upon us and we are struggling in them, the devil is not far away. So verse 8, Matt warning from chapter 4, verse 7, is given again. Be alert and sober and be of sober mind. I had to realise that my, my attitudes, my pride, my anger, why am I angry? What makes me angry? It's a great question people can't usually ask themselves. If they're angry, it means that a need, if I'm angry, a need has been blocked. The answer is, why am I think I need that? That's the answer to the question you need. But when you ask people why are you angry, they usually say it's because of him or her. <laughs> but anger is actually in here. And so I had to, dis- had to work out why was I angry. In the end, I was angry not just with what happened, but, of course, I was also angry with Sunday school answer number one. Angry with God. <laughs> you got it. Sunday school answer number one. Yeah. The devil prowls, and if you're not sober and alert, he can lead you into all sorts of garden paths. So you have to be sober, and you have to wait for God to restore you. The only way that God will restore you is if you come to him, rejoice in him. Commit yourself to serve him and be humble before him. And if you do, then God's restorative acts kick in. Verse 10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you, make you strong and steadfast. These people are facing a fiery tribulation. And the only way to go is to God. The only way to do it is together in him. The only way to do is to rejoice, to serve humbly, can see, uh, seek his face, stand strong, firm and steadfast in him. When those things come upon us, as Peter has been encouraging us, he wants us to abstain from sinful desires, be sober, be alert, do good. Though you may be accused of doing wrong, glorify God with what you say, what you do, and how you do it. I have written to you briefly, said Peter, encouraging you, and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that we've been reminded to be sober and alert, to commit 
to our gracious God who has loved us, you have loved us with an everlasting love. Our Saviour who has served us with an ever-giving service of life and we pray that we might have the wisdom to commit ourselves to humility and to your love. Lord, we are gracious graciously thank you that we have been restored in Christ and as we've prayed this morning as Wayne prayed the Lord we wait for the restoration of this whole creation a new creation that you will recreate and us in it while we wait we pray Lord that you would hold us steadfast in you and give us strength hope and grace that we might stand fast in this message of our love that has been given to us in the person of our Saviour. Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.